Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Today, we are joined by our guest host, filmmaker Heather Lenz. She's a filmmaker best known for Kusama Infinity, a feature-length documentary about artist Yayoi Kusama that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and received international distribution. Pedro Koss' latest documentary feature film, Rebel Hearts, which which he directed, wrote, and edited, premiered in the U.S. Documentary Competition at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival and was released worldwide by Discovery Plus. His feature directorial debut, Bending the Ark, co-directed with Keith Davidson, premiered at the 2017 Sundance Film Festival. He won an Emmy Award for Best Editing for a Nonfiction Program for his work on The Square. And he's worked on many other notable films, including the Netflix original documentary, The Great Hack, which he wrote and produced. Pedro is from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and received his BA in theater directing from Yale University. Thank you both so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Claire, for the introduction, and thank you for being here. I'm so excited to speak with you about your movie, Rebel Hearts. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what the film is about, could you just give us a little synopsis? Of course. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Um, And yeah, Rebel Hearts is about the trailblazing Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, um, a progressive order of nuns in Los Angeles in the 1960s who bravely stood up for the patriarch of the Catholic Church then. You know, they were fighting for equality, their own freedom and livelihood against the all-powerful Cardinal McIntyre. You know, their bold acts of defiance and activism turned really turned the church upside down back then and continued to cause waves um, that resonates to, even to today. Yeah, definitely. It's a very exciting story. You, you wouldn't think um, immediately a story about nuns, nuns would be, but it certainly is. And I was familiar with Sister Corita Kent and her art, um, but I wasn't familiar with her um, role in this larger community. Could you talk a little bit about her and what makes her so special? Absolutely. So Sister Corita, um, Sister Corita Kent, actually, it, while she was a nun, it was, she was known as Sister Mary Corita, was, a, was a, a, t- a teacher in the art department of the Immaculate Heart College, and she was a, a, a nun in this incredible order of, of sisters. And she um, started creating, um, she became an artist herself and became a, a pop artist of international renown. She is one of the icons of pop art. You know, she's up there with Andy Warhol, um, 
And she, you know, her works are, you know, the love stamp and there's this enormous gas tank outside of Boston on the I-95. But she really got started as a, uh, as an art teacher. Um, and she was, and that, that's the incredible thing about the, this order of nuns. They became the icon of pop art because of the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart. They saw the potential in her to be um, this, this art, an artist, an art professor, and they, you know, they, they encouraged that. They sent her actually to get her, uh, her master's in fine arts so she could become a teacher. And then when she started making serigraphs, because she actually thought that would be a great thing to teach the students, um, she began to make her own serigraphs. And the, the head of the art department, Sister Magdalene Mary, saw the potential in her own, in, in Sister Corita's art, and started taking uh, her serigraphs all around the country, and that's how she became famous. Um, and so it was really because this order, this incredible order, empowered and elevator, elevated each sister. Um, and so, yeah, and, and Sister Corita became this, um, this celebrity, especially in Southern California. Um, people were flocking to the Immaculate Heart College to take her uh, her adult education classes. You know, people like the legendary um, cinematographer Haskell Wexler, you know, people were flocking. I mean, the Immaculate Heart College really became, and partly because of Sister Corita, became this sort of uh, hub of cultural life in the city. Um, but that also brought in the, the wrath of the Cardinal, unfortunately. Yes, that was unfortunate. It um, it had never occurred to me until I saw your movie that at um, at this time a woman might decide to become a nun as one of the limited options available to pursue education and feminist ideas and things like that and to avoid a lot of the tasks associated with being a wife and a mother. That just had never occurred to me. So that was very Absolutely. interesting. Yeah, and for example, did, like, oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say exactly. Like, you can see that in, in, in the Mother General, um, the story of Anita Caspery, another incredible mind, great mind that you, that you get to know in the film. And, you know, Anita was never, she said I, she, was, she, she didn't want to live uh, a life. Uh, she didn't want to get married, you know, she, she wanted to uh, lead an academic life and work and you know she she was an incredible writer she was an incredible teacher and she went and got uh she the phd of in in literature from stanford university um and she it, it really at that time especially um pre-war and post-world war ii and in, in the that in the middle of the, uh, the 20th century, it, it, options for women was, were very limited. And this was, you know, this was an order of nuns run by themselves. So they, they enjoyed a freedom with a certain freedom within their own walls that, and they could really sort of lead their own lives uh, in many ways that, um, you know, other women um, at that time uh, didn't have the, you know, the, the luxury or the option even to. Yeah, that's certainly true. I'm wondering, Pedro, did you ever have a nun as a teacher? I um, I did not actually. Uh, I grew up Catholic in Brazil, but I actually I never 
Um, by the time that I was a student, um, I in in the in the nineteen in the early nineteen eighties in in Brazil, um, nuns weren't teaching weren't, weren't teaching very much anymore. But my both my parents had nuns as as teachers, uh, but with very different. <laughs> Uh, very different experience than than one would have had at the Immaculate Heart School and College. Yes, certainly. I ha- I must say I I have had nuns as teachers when I was younger, and they they did fit more of the stereotypical um, uh, you know role of being a little less and uh, maybe enthusiastic or joyful about about the position. And the film goes into some of the reasons for. I, I don't want to spoil the I don't want to uh, you know give that away, but I am interested in how you found the topic and what made you feel so connected to the story. Absolutely. So uh, it, it's almost like the the topic found me. Uh, it, the our extraordinary writer producer um, Shawnee Isaac Smith um, was. She she was the one that began the start of this project over 20 years ago in the late 90s, early 2000s. Through a friend, she got to know the Immaculate Heart community um, and these extraordinary women who had lived uh, who had lived this story, and um, and she was blown away by by them and 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 by what and how important the story was. It was to her it was this really. Um, true hero's journey. And so what Shawnee uh, approached the community and asked them to, if she could um, document their, you know, their incredible story, and they agreed. And so in the early 2000s, she really set about conducting these interviews um, that, you know, with, with a, a lot of the people, you know, the, the main protagonists, Anita Caspery, Helen Kelly, Pat Reef, who unfortunately are no longer with us. Um, and she filmed with them for a number of years and amassed this treasure trove of firsthand accounts, these uh, beautiful interviews, um, and, um, and really kept with it. I mean, she interviewed over 50, uh, 50 people, um, most of them immaculate, you know, former Immaculate Heart sisters and even uh, some of the current ones who chose to stay in the church. Um, and, you know, time passed. There was a lot of obstacles. Um, you know, you would think that uh, uh, nuns, you know, rebel nuns from the 1960s would be uh, a, a big sell, unfortunately. It's not quite your, I guess, your, your tentpole blockbuster uh, movie uh, fodder, but um, she kept with it. And really her perseverance is, I think, really heroic because, you know, years later in 2015, uh, Shawnee with a, a dear friend and collaborator, Kira Carsonson, approached me um, with the story. And Kira had known, you know, Kira and I are very close and Kira thought I would respond to the story and she was right. I mean, I, as a, uh, you know, as, as as a gay Catholic uh, guy from Brazil, this this story really kind of had a, a very personal um, uh, meaning and, and re- really re- resonated with me in, in a in a very personal way because you know I I also have felt the uh, the tug and pull of the conservative and the progressive sides of the Catholic faith, um, and um, and so we you know I dove right in in 2015 and. 
we started to kind of try to pull together, you know, the, these extraordinary interviews that Shawnee had, had uh, made and some of the archival that she began to amass. Um, and so we kind of drove, dove right in, and it was this very long and painstaking process. That actually has a lot to do with, you know, you know finding resources to actually make the film. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then we started going on about it, you know, the journey. I continued filming, and um, with, with the, the sisters who, um, who are alive, uh, the former sisters who were alive back then, and, and like Lenore, and then the, their students like Rosa, who... Um, was incredibly influenced by by the sisters, so that's that's kind of how the project uh, Rebel Hearts came to be. Well, I really appreciate you giving us the backstory, and I think it's so important, especially for first-time filmmakers, to understand the kind of tenacity that's involved in bringing these kinds of um, unique but fascinating stories to light, and that it's not always so easy to get them funded. And um, I don't know if you were involved so much with the funding side, the grant writing and so forth, but if you were, could you talk a little bit about how the funding did come together for this film? Absolutely. And, and I, I was, uh, I, I wish I could have said like, no, you know, like we had a, um, you know, uh, no, but it, I think really because this was a passion project and um, I, you know, I was, I was there every step of the way in terms of trying to bring in the resources. We applied to a lot of grants. I brought on um, I, I brought on the extraordinary Judy Corrin, who's our um, other amazing producer. Who Judy and I had worked together on Bending the Ark and on The Great Hack together, and, and basically we just started applying to every single grant you can think of. Um, we we looked up. You know, from California grants to film independent to every program, every uh, Sundance grant you can imagine, um, and we, you know, and it's really it, it's even more intense than a co- these. Some of these grants are even more intense than a college application. I mean, it really, and that's one of the things that actually, at the end of the day, it's a lot of work, but that work that you put in to write those statements, to, uh, to write the synopsis, write the topic statement, and wrestle with the topics and the themes and how relevant, why, why today, why tell the story today, actually really also helped us not only develop the film as a whole, but now on the back end, you know, we look back to those applications to like, oh, okay, these are um, – what we wrote then actually kind of really can help in communicate what the film is about and how these stories and themes um, still apply. Uh, so it actually kind of, there's a beautiful payback in the end for all that work you did. And by the way, most of those grants, we got turned down. Um, but uh, we, the, the first grant really was catapult, um, um, the, the catapult grant for development. Um, and that really literally catapulted us um, into uh, into production, I was able to finish the the the, the sizzle trailer um, with that with that grant, and um, once we finished the sizzle trailer, I went um, and we had all our our deck and presentation. We put also this beautiful um, flashy deck with the, the help of Kira and um, and her team um, at Merman and. We took it out, and with that deck and uh, and trailer that Catapult funded, we with, which the Catapult money 
helped to uh, put together, we were able to get our first um, investor, uh, which was Whitewater Films, um, Nancy Stevens and Rick Rosenthal. Um, they came on board. I had worked with them on um, on Ben and the Ark, and and so that was and that initial funding allowed us to from from Whitewater Films allowed us to begin filming. And so it's it was a very kind of step. You know, that initial amount of funding allowed us to film a little bit more, and so we began to film more. We updated the trailer, and we began to send, you know, every step that we continued, every, every step of the way, we had a list of all these grants that we kept applying, and we get, you know, most of them we kept getting rejected. But, um, but you know, it's just the perseverance, and we just kept at it. And um, and every now and then we, we got a film-independent fast-track uh, um we got accepted into their the film dependent fast track program. We we pitched um, there. We were able to pitch Level Forward, um, who came on board as um, w- one of our main funders, and um, and we got our our sales rep submarine um, out of that forum. We got into the Infa forum, um, and so it slowly it, it it was a very painstaking slow process, but it came together, um, and we were always able to you know, to keep going, filming a little bit more, you know, staying, um, staying always, always in contact with the community. And, um, and then finally, um, and I think was, was 2020 uh, or 2019, we got our, our last uh, main funder quiet who were so incredible and were, and with that, we were able to finish the film and um, during the pandemic actually. And, uh, and and submitted to Sundance. So it was uh, it was a long road, but it was uh, at the end it was um, it felt uh, like an incredible journey. Well, it certainly sounds that way. And even though uh, it sounds like you had your share of rejections, the um, the opportunities that you had are certainly some of the most sought after and important. I mean, for example, the opportunities provided by Film Independent and so forth, those are just invaluable. Um, This film has a lot of really interesting archival footage, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the process of locating it, and also what was the most exciting thing you discovered in the footage that you felt personally just really excited to see? Absolutely, yeah. And the, the, this film is a, a, an archival dream, or, uh, or or a huge challenge in so many ways. But um, yeah, it's I've you know I've done a few of these archival films uh, now, and uh, I always equate it to like a, 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 a treasure hunt. You know, you have to be you have to put on your Sherlock Holmes hat. Uh, when when you're doing these archival films because it does take a lot of investigating and digging and following breadcrumbs you know to to find these treasure these hidden treasures um because a lot of times it's forgotten in someone's closet or storage facility or you know it's uh like in the crash reel in the ex-girlfriend storage facility in um in in Stockholm um you know it's it, that level of and you just have to you know keep following the breadcrumbs and keep digging and keep pestering people um, until they finally acquiesce and say okay or I'll look for that material <laughs> um, but on on rebel hearts Shawnee had already when 
when when I met Shani, she had already amassed um, a good amount of footage, especially uh, the films of these extraordinary filmmakers like Bayless Glasscock, Haskell Wexler, Thomas Conrad, who had actually filmed at the college in the back in the 1960s and made their own beautiful films um, about the about Corita and the sisters. So that we had that material and. And then, you know, there were a few news pieces from, like, that, because this story made headlines all over the world, so we had a great piece from the BBC and um, and another great piece from CBS. Um, so, um, so basically, uh, we took those and we started digging further. First, the first stop where we went was actually the Archives of the Immaculate Heart community, um, which is the community that was formed you know, after um, after the whole showdown happened with, with the patriarch of the church in L.A. But the community is still alive and thriving today, and we went to their archives, um, and which are really heavily featured, annotated in Anita's book, Witness to Integrity, by the way. Um, and so we began digging through their archives, and we found, actually, you, you asked what was the most exciting uh, discovery. It was the audio of the meetings that the sisters had back in the 1960s. So all the meetings that they're talking about reforming and changing and debating and really grappling with the, what it means to be a sister in the modern world, what it means to be a religious, what, um, how they can be best, uh, be, be better teachers, best service and, and to the communities that they're working with. Um, all that, and, you, and that is heavily featured in the film. That became a big part of the movie, and that was an extraordinary discovery. We, we found these CDs uh, that, had been, that they had transferred years back, um, many years b- before, of the, the audio recordings of all these meetings that the, the Immaculate Heart Sisters had. So that was really kind of mind-blowing. And we also began digging for footage of the Cardinal McIntyre because we had nothing. We just had a few photographs. And in certain news sources like NBC, um, Associated Press, um, ABC, uh, you know, all the main – we, we were able to find some really great gems that are actually in the film. You know, Cardinal McIntyre's announcement that he was retiring um, – and his, a couple of his speeches. Um, so that was other really big treasure troves. And we, you know, and, and with, um, and we kept digging. Um, we contacted alumni from the Immaculate Heart College, students, former students, former sisters, um, and asked them, do you have any photographs, any film? Um, Lenore had some beautiful photographs that, um, that she took and filmed that, that are also in the film. So it's just a, kind of like all hands on deck and kind of, you know, leave no stone left unturned um, kind of process that, you know, goes from the big archival news sources to, you know, personal archives. So much of what you're describing is just sounds so similar to my experience working on the Kusama film in terms of what you're saying about um, there being these hidden gems of um, footage no one has seen in a long time hiding in someone's, you know, closet somewhere in some obscure small town. So it's, it is it is a definitely 
does require the detective work that you're um, discussing. Um, so it sounds like some of the interviews were shot when you came on board and others were in archival, but uh, could you talk a little bit about the process of reaching out to some of the people in the film to interview them? Were they all excited about participating or did you have to convince some of them? What, what was that process like? Well, absolutely. And again, I have to give a big, you know, big, big, big shout out to Shawnee, who really, she conducted over 50 interviews, both from the, you know, the extraordinary women who lived this, and then, you know, people like uh, uh, Monsignor Weber, who um, is the biographer of Cardinal McIntyre. Um, and with, you know, with the, with the community, with the Immaculate Heart community, I think overall there were they were excited to have their story told. Um, you know, finally, I think that this story, I, I call it a hidden gem of history, and, but I also think it should be more common knowledge that um, this happened uh, and this group of extraordinary women, trailblazing women, um, existed and really had a, 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 big, a big influence and a, a, um, had a big impact. Um, and so, so they, were, they were excited to participate um, and, you know, other people on, I, I think overall, you know, I, and I, the interviews that I conducted with, uh, Professor Sheila Briggs and with Rosa from, from the film, um, Rosa who studied with them and Lenore, they were all very, very keen to participate. They were all, um, they understood, um, the, the importance of the Immaculate Hearts, uh, sister's story, um, you know, it was a little bit harder to convince, um, you know, some of the, the patriarchal uh, point of views, but I think they, I think they saw the, the importance of representing um, that side and then really, you know, bringing to life, you know, what, you know, to understand um, what was the thinking, you know, and, and the mindset and the, and Monsignor uh, Weber and, uh, and Monsignor uh, Clem Connolly um, were, you know, were very open and, and they, you know, they talked about it. Um, and uh, so that was, I think overall it was, people were excited to participate. And how long did it take to edit this film? The edit, we began, I um, it was in a couple stages. We we had a a couple months, a few months of editing, and from like August of 2019 to November. So what? That's three, four months there. We we basically that's when we kind of dug into the all the interviews and began began to distill all the interviews that Shawnee had made and then the interviews that I had conducted um, and really kind of create a sort of set, block out the story and block out um, who would be our main characters um, that were telling the story. So that was kind of the initial phase. And then um, the, the second phase of editing really began in March of of 2020, um, when I I dove back into the edit with Yaniv Alani, um, and then really began. We had sort of the 
we had blocked out the characters, we had blocked out the sort of the larger story, and we began really actually to assemble with materials and footage. Um, and so it was from March of 2020 to we locked picture um, very end of December, um, you know, uh, and so that was nine months. So I think overall, if you, if you count everything, it's, it's a little over a year, 13 months or something like that. Um, uh, total at a time. And and that's normal for these type of very archival heavy films. I mean, it takes a long time to um, to kind of to piece together and to rework and rework to the point where the story is really flowing and the characters are really popping. And uh, um, so, yeah, it, especially when, when you're still digging for materials and all that. So. Yeah, well, this is just so wonderful that you're um, helping to explain to anyone who doesn't know how much time goes into these things and how much work is involved. Um, So you mentioned that that's kind of a typical length of time for these archival-heavy films. When you're budgeting for feature documentaries, do you kind of uh, give different estimates depending on if it's more of a – more of a verite film versus um, an archival film? Do you have kind of different lengths of times that you think about? Yeah, I mean, yes. I think you really have to, in order to properly budget for, for an edit, you have to look at the materials that you have. And you really have to, because, A, the more materials uh, that you have, and the more, um, especially if you're still digging, that's going to require more time and more staff. Because if you have thousands and thousands of hours, or you know, you know, you know, many tens of thousands of photographs, like we had, um, that actually takes a lot of time to log to, uh, you know, that the, the unsung heroes in in, in this film are really sort of our Gabriella Ricketts, our archival producer, um, uh, the, uh, the amazing assistant editors um, from Bill Hilferty and Claudia Capria who worked tirelessly to create these massive spreadsheets. You know, you have to, and because once you've finished your edit, you have to go back and look at everything that you're using and go back to those sources and license those sources. Um, and that's very painstaking work. So you do have to, um, and that's a, a time that you have to factor into um, uh, to going through the material and properly logging. That takes a lot of hours. That takes a lot of man hours. And then for 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 an editor to go through it and make selects. So um, so yeah. So if depending on the amount of material, what type of material it is. You do, you know, for an archival-heavy film, I tend to budget longer edits. If it's more of um, a verite film or has less materials and it's more recent materials or is like, you know, the, the less amount of materials, maybe the less time. Um, and, um, but, you know, this was on the longer side of things. I've, you know, I've had edits that, well, I've had an edit that went, that was only three, four months. Um, that was Wasteland, but that was, uh, that was crazy tight. And, um, uh, and also uh, it was a lot less materials that we were talking about 
you know, less than 200 hours of footage. Um, you know, now we're talking about in the thousands of hours and the tens of thousands of, you know, other materials and um, photographs, letters, correspondence, notes, all that. Um, so it uh, it really, you know, and 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 the work that you know the the writing part of it you know like working with Aaron Barnett um on 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 the film you know going through Aaron would be going through all these meeting notes and um and kind of really pulling because we wanted to bring these elements to life so that takes a lot of time you just have to immerse your you I said you have to bathe into this material you have to like let it seep through every pore and that takes time so, yeah, it's a little different depending on the materials. And the materials should determine the length of the edit, should help determine the length of the edit. Well, this is all just incredible information you're sharing. And I, I love that you talk about bathing yourself in the footage. Um, one time years ago, I was editing something and I woke up and I was dreaming that I was editing and uh, making some breakthroughs with the story. And then I, I woke up and I realized, oh, my gosh, that wasn't, you know, real work. That was, <laughs> that was imaginary work. But I think it speaks to how you just get so immersed in the story. It sort of, like, takes over all your thoughts. Um, yeah, it really does. So you're obviously multi-talented. We heard your incredible bio at the beginning. You've worked as a director, producer, editor. Could you talk a little bit about what you like best and least about each of these roles, the pros and cons of these various um, uh, jobs on the film? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I um, Well, let, let's, let's put it this. I, I fall in love with stories. I think that's, for me... Um, with the driving force behind every single one of these roles, you know, a lot of times um, you 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 have to do whatever it takes to get the story out, and to uh, you know, and that that's true for this film, for Rebel Hearts. You know, I, I these stories of these incredible women, I thought it was just too good and too. Um, groundbreaking, for, at least for me, to to not to, to not see the light of day. And so, you know, whatever it takes to get that story out, that's what I was going to do. And um, and and hence all the different hats one has to wear. Um, and I I love you know I I wanted to to, to help tell stories since I was 11 years old, and I always wanted to you know be a director but um that was a long you know it was a to get there it was a, it was a long road and and actually I'm I'm thankful for that because um it allowed me to um to learn so much and to hone in my voice but I learned I I learned on that journey that you know the, for me the story really comes together in the edit and so I in college I started learning to edit on the side um, and made my own film and then, you know, wrote and directed that, but also had to learn how to edit because no one knew how to edit. And so for me, the thrill of editing is really kind of creating, you know, putting this world together, putting the story together, seeing the characters come to life. That's for me the most joyous part of, 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 of editing. And, and also for the producing side is, you know, you, it's really kind of bringing the team together. You know, these are 
films in general are, and at heart, real collaborations. I mean, like a fil- films do not happen with one person. I mean, in my experience, do not happen just with one person. Um, it's not a, a painting where a painter can lock himself into a studio and, and voila, a masterpiece comes out. No, this is... Rebel Hearts is the collaboration of, incre- of many incredible artists. And, and that's the reason why it exists today. And it's... Uh, and a producer, you know, um, helps bring that team together. You know, Judy Corrin, um, Kira Carson, and Shawnee are, you know, our, our parents in this film because they, they helped bring, you know, their vision, their, their artists, and they helped, you know, really bring together a team and shape the story. And so that's the, the fun part of, I think, producing um, and seeing the potential in a story and in bringing that story to life. Now, for me, the less pleasurable parts are, you know, I don't know, the, the, the going, the, the fundraising side of it is, for me, is, is a challenge. And it's, um, but if you tap into that, the joy and, and, and your drive to tell that story, that passion, I think that should inform even the, the least pleasurable parts because it does pay, play a role. So sometimes it can be challenging, um, but um, I think if we all tap into that, what's motivating us, uh, and, 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 you know, at least for me, that if I tap into that passion that I have for a certain story, that love that I have for a certain story, then that helps drive even the, the most tedious parts, you know, like going through hundreds of hours of, of, of archival, um, you know, because I know I'm mining for the gems, you know, in order to bring the story to life in the edit part or, you know, doing how many drafts of a director's statement um, because I know that's going to really help synthesize uh, the story that I'm trying to tell. Um, or going out and fundraising um, because I know that's going to bring in the resources that we need to p- bring a team together in order to bring the story to life. Anyway, I just so I don't know. That's a long, very long-winded answer to to your question. Well, it's it's um, terrific information. What tips would you offer to someone trying to break into documentary filmmaking? Um, well. So many. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, for me, uh, my way in was editing. So, um, and there's a, a huge need for editors in, um, in the industry, you know. So if, if, you, if you like editing, if, if that's something that uh, strikes your fancy, I think dive right in. I think that's a great, for me, it was, an amazing uh, journey was an amazing way in because I was able to um, help craft and tell stories and um, and develop. Um, you know that was my film school. I you know I never went to film school. I uh, you know I just started graduated from college and just started working I, um, and 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 basically working on docs and editing um, and even being an assistant and a PA and. In, in regular feature films was an incredible um, learning experience for me. So, um, but I think it's, you know, at the core, this is, it's, it, 
it takes a lot of it, it takes a lot of work, a lot of hours. So I think go towards what uh, the advice is. Like what 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 moves you? What kind of work? You know, tap into what what you love first. Find what drives you. What what really spark generates that spark inside of you, and then see uh, you know whether that's you know editing or producing or you know, I think that. And then the other one is find a story that moves you and uh, try, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, you know, for Rebel Hearts and every other film, you, you have to put, invest some time in, in in something if you really want to help tell it. You know, so that means you're going to be working for free. You're going to, but you're, you're developing something that you're going to help to tell. And um, so find a story that moves you and, and start uh, trying to get access, trying to convince the people you want to tell the story, and um, um, put to film a little bit, film some interviews, film some verite, um, put together a trailer and um, and a deck, and you know, and start applying. And you know, I think that's that's the other route. But I I I, I think the experience in working in in the trenches and and you know, from an assistant all the way to editor. You know that's really, really valuable. You don't always have to be directing. You don't always have to be producing. I think, especially if you're, you know, young and getting started, you know, work on, you know, work on anything that that you you can, um, in in a way that you that you you think really taps into the skills and what you can bring to to the project. So, I don't know. But. Yeah, that's that's super and. Um, I um, would would like to give you the opportunity to, to let people know where they can see the movie. It obviously it premiered at Sundance, and I know it's making its way out into the world. And and also, if you want to share your um, website or your social media handles or the social media handles for the film, all of that good stuff, so people can follow along and get updated. Absolutely. Well, you can follow, you can go to rebelheartsfilm.com. Um, that's where that's our main website and you know the film is available right now on discovery plus so um it is you can you can stream it and we we will have a few more screenings in um uh it in in la um i think coming up but uh but yes anyone can stream um rebel hearts film um uh, the Rebel Hearts on Discovery Plus. We're also on Instagram at Rebel Hearts Film, um, and same same handle on um, uh, on Twitter. So you can follow us there. And uh, yeah, it's and you and our website has links to um, more information on the Immaculate Heart Sisters and the community and ways to engage. So. Um, so it's really yeah it's i think the website and and the and our instagram and, and twitter handles um have all um have have a lot of information um so yeah i hope i hope people can get out and see it 
Yeah, it's 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 just a terrific film. And um, I always am hesitant to ask directors this when they've just finished a big project and they're out promoting it, which I know is very time-consuming, but if there's anything new you're working on that you want to tell us about, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And also, if there's anything I didn't ask you that you would like to tell us, I'd like to also give you the opportunity to do that. Well, thank you. Um, well, yes, I actually have another film coming out uh, in November this year uh, on Netflix is a documentary short film called Leave Me Home that I, that I directed with uh, my, an incredible collaborator, John Schenk. Um, and it's a, um, it's a long, longer short film, but it's, a, it's 39 minutes, and it's a, really um, a, a different look at the homelessness crisis uh, in the West Coast from Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Um, Weaving a tapestry, uh, grounded by the, you know, people who were experiencing or are experiencing homelessness, uh, to the people on the front lines, um, working on this crisis, and um, it's uh, very experiential, very um, poetic. Uh, we try to be um, really take a different perspective on the whole issue and really find the humanity, um, be you know behind it when we we felt it was getting lost, and so that will be coming out on Netflix in mid-November, um, and yeah, so, and I have a, you know, few projects cooking, but very, very early stages of development, but, uh, um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, uh, what moves forward. Well, yeah. terrific, oh, well, thanks, oh, and yeah. The, and the other, and the other thing I just wanted to give a big shout out to our, um, you know, the whole team from, from Rufus Wainwright. Uh, on Rebel Hearts, who composed a beautiful song, um, Secret Sister, um, uh, and, you know, our composer, Elio Marks, all the collaborators. I mean, when, when I talked about this is really um, incredible team effort, you know, I was lucky and honored to work with these incredible artists from the Aunt Una Lawrenson and her whole team for animation. Um, it was uh, a beautiful collaboration, and I think... Um, we, in the spirit of the Immaculate Hearts, um, that was really um, important. And, you know, our extraordinary producers, Judy Korn, um, uh, Judy Korn, Shawnee Isaac-Smith, Kier Carsonson, our editors, um, Aaron Barnett, uh, Yanni Villani, uh, Andine Mary, you know, uh, the list goes on. And I just, these are some of the unsung heroes, you know, Gabriella Ricketts, these unsung heroes who worked, a lot. They've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of their love and passion into this project. And um, it's, uh, you know, and, and the film it is what it is because of them. So I'm uh, honored to, uh, to have worked with them and uh, wanted to, to celebrate that then. Well, thank you. You're obviously super talented and also very humble, and I do appreciate you acknowledging all these other people that played a role in in making the film because it certainly is a, a big effort that involves a lot of people. And Claire, were there any uh, closing um, questions you wanted to ask before we wrap up? I think you guys covered it all very well, and uh, I am looking forward to uh, your next project that's coming out and, and having a, a chance to see that. So keep up the good work, Pedro. We love everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been, uh, it's been an honor yeah. to, to speak with both of you.
Well, thank you again, Pedro. It was it was our pleasure to have you. So I'm going to let Claire close it out then. All right. All right. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.